Hello, 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 and welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Time to howl, but for ghosts. But for the ghosts. Uh, hey, Christine, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? I am doing good. Um, it was good to be back last week, and so happy to be back again. And at the end of last week's episode, I, as I always do, I said, please, if you like what you hear, and good thing to do is head on over to the iTunes, Apple Podcast, mm-hmm. or wherever you listen to your podcast, and make give us a review. And someone did. And I, I was love so that. grateful. Um, and so, um, I don't, we don't have to take out the ticket tape. Machine I was all ready to dust it off only, and blow it. There's only blow. one. Do you want to just for shits and giggles? I do. All right, we'll we'll just throw this person's name in thirty times. Okay. Here you go. <sighs> I wonder what's gonna be. I don't know why I'm miming. <laughs> I mind. I, mind. I, I mind dusting it off. You guys, I literally mind putting my hand into the into the little like ticker tape machine. It's not ticker tape. We don't know what's called. That's what we've been calling it. Anywho, this review comes from uh, the user Always Sunny, uh, and they and this person reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. All right, and so this is what uh, Always Sunny writes after giving us five stars. Woo! They write the following. Your podcast always makes my Mondays. It always makes me feel like I'm closer to home. Being a native New Yorker and now living in Tennessee, I miss back home. You help with my homesickness. Love listening to your amazing and hysterical banter all about the spooky and true crime goings on in New York. I love that. I adore this. This is that when I read this, it made my day. Um, and so um, always Sunday, always Sunday. Uh, be sure to to send us a message on uh, our Instagram would be uh, one option at uh, NY Mystery Machine or email us at New York Mystery Machine at gmail.com so we can get your information. We can send you a sticker. Um, this was such a nice review. Honestly, yeah. it was really, really, really sweet review. Um, and it made me feel really uh, I happy. It. I love it. So um, if you'd like to to get a free sticker, you know how you do that. You head on over to Apple Podcasts or, uh, or Audible uh, and you leave us a five-star rating and then you leave us a review you got to leave us a review to be part of this right um leave us a review and tell us what you like you know tell us what you want to hear more of and uh we'll enter your name and we'll we'll read it on the air and um in exchange we'll get some stickers and just our 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 undying devotion not (laughs) i'm not undyingly devoted to our our our, you know gosh adam (laughs) don't say that to their faces don't say that to their ears (laughs) I'm you guys. I'm still trying to figure out sound levels on this podcast. The new, the new sound box is really hard to like. It's really our old, our old one. I had to put everything on like the max level because I couldn't hear myself. And this one, I don't need to do that. And so I think last episode was probably like really loud. Um, I didn't edit it yet, but I think it's really loud. Mm. Well, you'll know and I'll know by now because you're now listening to the next. And we're episode. in the future, <laughs> but um. I'm doing my best. So no, if the sound is a little weird, I'm trying to figure out the correct levels on this little device. I think this is the right one for me though, because I'm not I'm not going yellow. It's right. still all red. I'm all green. So I think that's the correct one for me. Scarlet is just too powerful for us. And that's a good level for you, Christina. Well, when I'm talking like this, but we all know I have <laughs> I've, I've got I've got range on the levels. Oh gosh. Well, any and anywho, uh, thank you to everyone who's reviewed us, um, and please continue to do so. It takes all of two seconds, and it really goes a long way. It really helps us, and we're so grateful to those of you who have done that. If you want to 
do something even more uh, more powerful than giving us a review, you can give us some money. You head on over <laughs> to patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our community. For as little as $5 a month, you get to get a free bonus episode every month. And uh, currently, there's a sale going on for our top level for $50 a month. You get all those things. You get some other cool stuff. And I make you a sandwich every month, which is pretty, pretty, pretty dope. Pretty but I've done that already. We do have a top tier patron, and I have already given that person their their January sandwich and their February sandwich is coming up soon. So we'll continue to show those. And um, as we continue these sandwiches, we're going to have a little surprise. Got down, some sandwich plans. Some sandwich plans. So uh, be sure to, uh, to to stay on this journey with us of, of our themed sandwiches. <laughs> Christina, where are we today? We're on Long Island. And I apologize in advance. I feel like I'm doing a lot of like... New York City, Long Island. I don't think I apologize. I won't apologize then. I take it back. I think we, we've we done so much outside of New York City like in the last couple of months. Sure. I think that, you know, it's good to to, 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 to be close to the city. Well, we're going to be doing sort of a, a very uh, broad Long Island waterways thing. Sure. Um, and we haven't had a cryptid in a minute, so. Oh, we haven't had a cryptid in a long time. For for the new listener. And when we get a cryptid, that means we sometimes get art for the cryptid, right? That's true. <laughs> we love uh, a good fan art. <laughs> uh, oh, damn, I meant I had a shtick I was going to do with you. Oh, I can't wait for the shtick. Well, now I don't have the stuff for the shtick. What was the stuff? Well, I was going to bring colored pencils and make you do fan art, like draw what you're envisioning this thing looks like as, as we encounter descriptions of it. Well, I can, I can just do can that. Can you do that? Can you still do that? Do you have paper and, and pencils? Can we make this happen? We can make it happen. Here we go. Okay, I got my pencil, I got Excellent. my paper. So um, throughout the course of this episode, what I want you to do is I want you to draw, whenever we encounter a description, I want you to draw what you think this creature looks like. Okay. Now you have the option of either, you know, recreating it with each new bit of information or my personal favorite, just, just adding, adding on. it on. Yeah. Just see. Just like when see. you're a kid and someone's like, no, it'd be cool if you had lasers. <laughs> I'm like, cool, cool, cool. No, it'd be cool if you had like- Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sam's Sam's nephew, Sam. He's always like describing like his favorite like kind of um like seer heroes. And he describes it and then goes, but also Adam, he has this. And also, <laughs> he does this too. And I'm like, so it's like that same That's thing. Exactly it's like it. right on. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what this is gonna be. Um but before we jump into that, it's been a while since we've had a cryptid. Um and so for the new listener, Adam, how would you define a cryptid? A cryptid is some sort of um creature, I think it's the best way to describe mm-hmm. it, that um isn't your run the mill animal, meaning it hasn't been classified as a uh, animal by scientists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, many people have found that cryptids could be this animal, and they're being confused as a cryptid. But um, most people don't know. So, for the the biggest of those examples, probably the two big ones are Bigfoot. Yep. And uh, the Loch Ness monster. Yep. Yep. yep and yep. on this show, we did um, Champy. Champy, which is which is a. a a type of Loch Ness monster. Exactly. We think of the same family. And uh, what episode was that? That was back in season one. That was season one. That was early. That was like seven or eight or something like that. Um, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but go listen to it. Yeah, that was Champy, uh, the sea monster of Lake Champlain. Um, but uh, while Champy is the most famous of New York water monsters, uh, he is not the only one. So today's uh, creature, cryptid, will take us around the waters of Long Island, particularly. Champy was episode 11. Oh, later than I thought, but not by much. Not by much. You said eight. That's true. Uh, 
so today we're, we're going to be uh, around Long Island, uh, especially the East River, the Long Island Sound, and even our recently visited, deeply haunted, possibly treasure-laden, tumultuous area of water known as Hellgate. Hellgate. Um, so a which, little... was, which was very well listened to. You guys really listened to Hellgate. I mean, it's a pretty metal name. Like, <laughs> it, like <laughs> it like popped really hard. I was like, man, people are listening to Hellgate. <laughs> Um, so a, a little bit, you know, when we talk about ghosts, we talk about the history of a place. When we talk about cryptids, we talk about the uh, water geography of the place. Like, thank God. <laughs> Please tell me water ge- geography. <laughs> so uh, first off, we have the Long Island Sound, right? The Sound is an estuary, um, which means that it's where ocean salt water meets and mixes with river fresh water. So these are extremely important ecosystems. They're teeming with life. They frequently um, are breeding grounds for various ocean species. So these are species species that spend most of their adult life out in the open ocean and then they come to estuaries to feed breathe their young and then the estuary acts like a nursery for the young ones until they're able to head back out to sea Uh, according to the long island sound study quote our estuary is home to more than 1200 species of invertebrates 170 species of fish and dozens of species of migratory birds um, geographically, the sound is the strip of water between Long Island's North Shore and Connecticut, and it runs between 65 and 230 feet deep. So for comparison, Lake Champlain, home to our beloved sea monster Champy, has a maximum depth of 400 feet. So that gives you some sense as to the depth we're talking about. Um, funny, East River is not technically a river. It is also a saltwater tidal estuary. What? Uh, I know. I mean, I'm never going to call it that, but still. <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, and uh, it, you know, it has numerous islands, including those that are part of that treacherous waterway, Hell's Gate, um, which is at the lower end of the river where the river and the sound meet. And then, of course, you have the south side of Long Island where you have various bays, like Gravesend Bay, Jamaica Bay, Inlets, and the open Atlantic Ocean. Oyster Bay. Oyster Bay. Uh, so... <laughs> I, I just thought of it as that chair. I want to be part of it. <laughs> I know Oyster bays too. Bay. I know bays. <laughs> I know New York based bays. Um so Long Island is the land of several Native American nations of the Algonquian linguistic and cultural family. So you remember we talked about Algonquian groups when we discussed Champ and the Abenaki traditions around the creature of the lake. Um so the Abenaki are, are Algonquian just as um the Long Island nations are. So Long Island is land of Muncie Lenape groups, the Canarsie, Rockaways, Matinecock, um, and others that controlled areas of the Bronx and Manhattan, as well as groups further east on the island like the Shinnecock, Massapequas, Nisaquogs, Setauckets, Korchogs, uh, Secatogs, Unkachogs, Manhansets, and Montaukets. And Montaukets. Uh, Long Island itself had several names, some of which are um, Sewanhaki and Pominake, which folks from Queens will recognize as the still-used place name Pominak. Um On early Dutch maps, you'll see the name Matoaks given to the island. Um, and the peoples of Long Island are uh, quote-unquote first contact nations, meaning that they are some of the first peoples that European settlers and explorers met, and that these are some of the groups to first to experience the effects of colonization. Um, at the time of first contact, Long Island nations had different relationships to each other, and these are um, often described as alliances or confederacies. So that's sort of some some basic information there. Um, and there are two strains of stories that I'd like to highlight for a moment in relation to today's cryptid. So according to Evan T. Pritchard, 
a Micmac scholar who has done much work on Algonquian stories and culture and linguistics and history and place names. When Henry Hudson arrived, his officers of the ship the Half Moon encountered a large manta ray in New York Harbor. So Evan Pritchard writes in his book, Henry Hudson and the Algonquins of New York, quote, these were the giant manta rays, a sacred fish to the Canarsie and other Long Island natives. They call it the eagle ray because of its ability to leap and then glide in the air and the guardian of the sea, while the Europeans called it the devil ray. They are no longer found in the area, which may be due to a change in temperature and water quality, as well as overhunting, unquote. So according to Pritchard, who is relating this based on Henry Hudson's cruise records and diaries, as well as um, local indigenous oral histories, uh, the crew of the Half Moon were apparently obsessed with capturing this enormous manta ray um, as a kind of trophy and caught it, beat it to death, and then cut it up. And Pritchard says that we can assume the Canarsie were horrified, possibly tearful. Later on, Pritchard goes on to talk about how the various types of manta rays around Long Island um, are categorized based on intelligence and other things, um, according to the work of a Native American marine biologist, Ray Rodriguez, who has studied the rays and combines his observations with oral traditions of the Nisikok peoples. Um, so the largest, most intelligent of the types of rays around the North Atlantic is the manta ray proper. Um, it lives in the open ocean, but enters estuaries during summer months. And they've been recorded up to 25 feet across and weighing 5,000 pounds which is enormous. Um, and they are, they are considered by indigenous traditions as being as intelligent as dolphins and whales. Um, and so according to local traditions as well, you know, seeing a, a manta ray is good luck. Touching one, let alone eating one, is bad luck and, and deeply to be avoided. Oh boy. Um, and that's because they are seen as a protector of mankind from the ocean. So, uh, you know, and there's lots of depictions of, of various horned sea serpents that have been found on Long Island as well as elsewhere. Um, and I want to mention also that there are stories of underwater panthers in certain Algonquian traditions. Um, now, these often are linked to groups much further west. Um, but I mentioned this to show that there are numerous underwater beings among Algonquian peoples, just like we saw with the Abenaki regarding Champ. Um, and so I wanted to share that. I think it's some interesting foundation for for the creatures of this area. Um, we're going to be talking about various sightings, you know, later than this. Um, and some of those we may debunk. Some of those we may not be able to. But I want to I want to also make a clear separation between that and the stories of indigenous peoples um, so that when we do end up debunking one or two of these, um, we're you know, we're not trying to debunk indigenous knowledge. Those are two different categories. So, some of the earliest reports I could find in newspapers of sea serpents in the area um, date to the 1810s. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't publications prior, it just means you truly couldn't find them. Um, so, here is one dated December 16th, 1817 in the Buffalo Gazette. It starts with the sentence, the sea serpent, it just said, is still in Long Island Sound. <laughs> So clearly there were some additional sightings earlier. Um, <laughs> it's still here. It's still here. The fuck? <laughs> On Friday and Saturday last, he was seen of Greenwich Harbor in the vicinity of Captain's Island by a number of inhabitants of that town. So FYI, Captain's Island is on the Connecticut side of Long Island Sound, but I don't think sea monsters really pay attention to political borders. <laughs> um, so we're going to go with it. 
Anyway, he moved slowly through the water with his head raised about six feet and in his progress produced a foam like that produced by the bow of a vessel. He appeared to be amusing himself leisurely near, round, near and round the islands and occupied about ten minutes in passing from one of the islands to another, a distance of little more than a mile. So I love this idea of like a leisurely I'm roaming. Just, uh, I'm just going to roam about a bit. Um, there are then some small sightings over the next few decades, 1820s, 30s, 40s, but there seems to be a rash of them in the 1870s. So, for example, August 1st, 1879, the Philadelphia Times runs an article about a sea captain who had traveled many oceans and insisted that sea serpents um, were things he had seen in the Pacific, but that he had also started spotting them in New York, specifically in the Long Island Sound near Hell's Gate. So, here's his description. The yacht was on the starboard tack and the curious object off the starboard bow. The captain went forward with his glass and looked. As the yacht approached near the object, he saw that it was alive, and knew from his past experiences that it was a sea serpent. The yacht kept on until within a hundred yards of the monster, when the serpent lifted its head for a moment. The head was an immense affair, the size of a barrel. It was shaped something like a horse's. It was visible for only a moment. The serpent blew something like a whale, and then settled into the water, only the back being visible. All aboard the yacht were so excited that the little vessel was close aboard the monster before they were aware of it. The yacht was thrown into the wind, but too late. She struck the serpent square upon the back, although the shock was not a heavy one. The monster threw its tail out of the water, lashed the waves for a moment, throwing the spray high in the air, and then disappeared. The yacht then went about on the other tack, and the minutes later the monster again appeared right alongside and not twenty feet away. The thing was going at the rate of five knots an hour. The head and shoulders went by, and then came the long, slimy-looking body, as a large, round as a good-sized log. As large, round as a good-sized log. In a few minutes, the monster was out of sight. The men on the yacht calculated the must have been at least one hundred feet long. This was the only time the old sea dog had ever seen a serpent in Long Island Sound, but that it was a genuine one. He had no doubt. Um, so it's interesting to note too that there, you know, this is sort of contemporary with a rash of sightings of Champy in the 1870s as well. So there's something, I don't know, something in the water. <laughs> get, get, <clears throat> anyway, that was my very clever joke. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting to think about there. There is something happening where in the 1870s, whether cultural or or biological, like there are these sightings then again in 1893 the brooklyn citizen ran the following short as the sea serpent season has now fully opened which again <laughs> sea serpent. favorite it's sea serpent season y'all it's like shark week but exactly. only but, but, sea serpent. but just sea serpents as the sea serpent season has now fully opened it may be interesting to know that mr ghost a famous naturalist sums up the evidence in favor of the serpent as follows quote Carefully comparing the independent narratives of witnesses of known character, the sea contains a creature possessing the following characteristics. First, the general form of a serpent. Second, great length and average of 60 feet. Third, head resembling that of a serpent. Fourth, neck from 12 to 18 inches in diameter. Fifth, appendages on the head, neck, and back, resembling a crest of hair or mane. Sixth, color dark brown or green streaked and or spotted with white seventh power to swim the surface with rapid or slow movement and with head and neck well elevated above the surface eighth the body capable of being thrown into convulsions now who exactly this mr ghost is escapes me there was a british 
father-son naturals duo by the same surname in the late 1800s. But again, just just really in this particular description for uh, as the sea serpent season has now fully opened. Uh, but it also gives you a sense of like how how relatively common, again, these sightings are that you can speak of, uh, you know, a sea serpent season or a time of year. Just three years later, in 1895, the Buffalo Courier ran an article on July 17th with the following headline. A big sea serpent, said to be cavorting about Long Island, heading toward New York in an effort to reach the open sea, seen by steamboat passengers. Again, cavorting, leisurely swimming around, all, all of these very quaint uh, descriptors for, for this sea creature. So based on a series of sightings, the article reports that the creature had covered about 57 miles in a couple of days um, from when it was first spotted the eastern end of Long Island to where it was spotted heading for Hellgate. Disappointingly, a report just a couple of days later in the New York Times claimed to have solved the mystery when a dead snake was discovered on Blackwell Island, a 25-foot-long snake, probably something resembling a boa constrictor, that was believed to have been tossed overboard a ship hauling animals for a menagerie. So that one may be less convincing. Um, but one sighting being potentially debunked didn't quite uh, end the hubbub or, or stop others from continuing to spot sea monsters in the area of Hellgate and elsewhere. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about those after the break. All right. I'm going to continue working on my art. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get back in the... Just, maybe you should be working on your art as well. Everyone yes, work, everyone on, your work on your art and then send it to us. It's your I, homework. We, we don't care how weird it looks. Send it to your art. Weirder the better. I'm going to do it on the break. You do it while you listen to the episode. We'll be right back. So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries. But how would you like to solve your very own mystery? Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery. Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer. So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NYMYSTERYMACHINE for 20% off the first box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NYMYSTERYMACHINE. Sign up now and begin the hunt. Bow, bow, bow. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. All right, we are back. I am working on my art. I did that during the break. Um, I'm working on some some curves, <laughs> undulating uh, c- c- convuls- convulsions. I don't know, they I talk don't know about. how to like 
depict slimy, but <laughs> that's what I'm trying to depict. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to use squigglies to help that. Anyway, continue your story. <laughs> <laughs> squigglies to help with the slimy. Yeah, uh, folks, I hope you're also uh, following along at home. Uh, and uh, yeah, go wild with us. So we've been talking about the sea monster around Long Island. Um, we made it to the 1890s um, where there seems to be quite a few spottings. So we just talked about one where the New York Times says, no, 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 it was just a snake that was thrown overboard by some boat bringing in menagerie animals. Um, but within a few days, there's another sighting. July 24th, 1895, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle reports the story of two Brooklynites who were frequenting Sea Cliff for the summer and took a boat out for a spell. Around Glen Cove, they saw a, quote, long black object, unquote, and quickly realized that it was the by then infamous sea serpent. The mysterious monarch of the ocean, writes the Daily Eagle, moved rapidly along and was followed by a slight wake. Now one portion of its hundred feet of length would be curved on the surface of the bay. The next minute it would be out of sight. This particular experience was corroborated. About the same time, additional people of good character, quote unquote, at Sea Cliff spotted the serpent moving with a gracefully sinuous motion towards the harbor. The article then describes how the local inhabitants want to create a harpoon gun that could capture and or kill the creature when it next appeared. Um, the general thinking was that the sea monster comes in with the tide in search of fish for food. Uh, so a couple of things happening there. One, uh, the idea that in this time period when a cryptid is found, it is most believable when someone of good character or good standing is the person reporting the sighting. Right? So no women. So no women. No Wait, women. What, what year is this? Uh, 1895-ish. So no women. No women. If a woman comes forward and says they saw the She's serpent, hysterical. we throw that aside. She's hysterical. We got to cure her from her hysteria. Yes, absolutely. Uh, unacceptable. Uh, my other favorite is when they specify in some of the articles like a bunch of Absolutely, they promised us sober people saw this, this time, which I also love. <laughs> They're totally sober. They're, totally sober. No one was sober at the end of the 1800s. <laughs> That's an excellent point. Uh, uh, according to the blog Historic Pelham, the sea monster was even reported by members of the United States military near City Island. So July 28, 1895. Again, every couple of days there's one of these appearing. In the Philadelphia Inquirer, we have this report. Captain Hatfield, Sergeant Horton, and Corporal Miller of the United States Army landed at City Island today and stated while they were cruising in the yacht off Eaton's Neck, they saw an extraordinarily large fish or sea serpent floundering in the water. Captain Hatfield and his comrades think that it was the same sea serpent that was reported as being seen off Cold Spring Harbor about a week ago. So either that boat that the New York Times claims, you know, was transporting snakes for a menagerie was, you know, dumping a whole lot of snakes or there's something happening out there um i would think and then again august 1st 1895 another group of witnesses Porchester journal reports quote the scales were iridescent they changed with kaleidoscopic rapidity with every throb of the agile body now green now blue now the color of a secluded mouse they fascinated the eye of the beholder as nothing which i have i had ever seen before under the glare of the powerful searchlight, which brought out every shade and line, the mysterious creature seemed to take a pride in its antics and exhibited an agility which I deem unparalleled. Um, which I again, I just, I just love, I love all of this reporting. I love the description of it going from green to blue to the color of a secluded mouse. 
You can see now why I wish I had brought the the colored pencils with me. It's true, but I, I'm making do. I'm I believe you. I believe you're capturing the essence of blue, green, and secluded mouse. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and secluded mouse. That famous Crayola crayon that color. Famous color. You you had to get the hundred pack for the secluded mouse color <laughs> back when we were kids. Um. That pack had the sharpener on the back. <laughs> um. And then a couple of years later, we get another report, and this is a, a good, this is a good lengthy one with some interesting uh, descriptions. So this is this comes from the Evening World in 1902, um, and in this report, the Evening World that's the that's the same paper hey, we, we, we yeah, cited, I cited last that week. deeply respected, very well respected <laughs> news source, the deep the the, the, the Evening World. <laughs> two Evening Worlds in two weeks. Look at that. Um, a paper I'd never heard of. Until, I've heard twice yeah. in two weeks. Uh, in 1902, it reports that uh, a sailor known as Captain Jim Wigmore, and my favorite thing is that they keep putting Jim in quotes, <laughs> which just seems unnecessary, um, that, that Captain Jim Wigmore... Was, he called himself Jim, but he, was, he wasn't Jim, so that's why it's in quotes. <laughs> hey, 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 when you refer to me, it's not really Jim. Like, it's not really... It's, it's James. <laughs> so, like, if you refer it's to Bruce. me in, like, newspapers... Please be accurate Please about it. Please be Don't put Jim. I don't want people thinking my name is Jim. It's kind of Jim. So put it in quotes or they something. They can call me that, but, you know, it's not. So he claims to have caught the monster in Red Hook. Um, so here is uh, this account. Um, and Adam, this is unfair. I was going to have you read this. Oh, I can read it. But you also need to draw. I, I'll remember. Okay. So your, you your best Captain Jim Wigmore Sea Captain voice i want you to be a sea captain he's who doesn't gonna, want anyone to know his real name <laughs> he's, he's gonna be a sea captain it's sort of about captain well i'm not reading you can read in his voice okay i'll read in his voice even though this isn't a quote just like his this name is a... isn't real this isn't really him talking okay <laughs> captain jim wigmore was caught has caught the sea serpent it's the only real sea serpent ever brought into neak harbor According to Captain Wigmore, it is securely tied under guard number six, Dover Street. I don't know, where, I don't know what this uh. accent is. Red-eyed, <laughs> yellow-maned, long-fanged. The monster is thrashing about to get loose from his mouth on rising clouds of hissing steam. Captain Wigmore and the other captors, Donald Burns and Charles Darag say that the water fairly boils about the serpent. Is he's hot? <laughs> Captain Wigmore and his friends, the other boatmen, have been after this peculiar serpent for several weeks. Pilots of the Sound steamers have reported him about Hellgate, and from as far as Gravesend have caught reports of his antics. Captain Wigmore has patrolled the waters of the Sound and Bay, looking for this peculiar sea serpent. Of course, the old sea serpent would have answered just as well, but Captain Wigmore was after the one with eyes like port lights, <laughs> yellow mane, and everywhere from 50, and anywhere from 50 to 1,000 feet long. After weeks of observation, Captain Wigmore and his merry crew figured that their sea serpent was somewhere about Red Hook. He set his nets for him, and they waited for the sea serpent to start back for Hellgate to scare the pilots of the sound steamers. According to Darig, there was an awful hissing sound like a torpedo boat coming from the bay. 
when the serpent struck the nets. But the nets would never have held him if he hadn't gone his teeth tangled up in them. Declared Dareg, the captain let his men out and hauled his nets. According to stories of all three, there was an awful thrashing about the sea serpent was finally landed. Since Captain Wigmore and his men got ashore, the length, color, and hideous serpent has been increasing. <laughs> the length and the color and the hideousness <laughs> grew when they put him on the boat? <laughs> By night, a serpent may have got longer than the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> By night, the, the serpent may have gotten longer than the Brooklyn Bridge. Already is almost long enough to use as a third rail for the Ninth Avenue L structure. <laughs> Captain Alexander Banta is an old Hellgate pilot, and he thinks he has been a mariner long enough to know a sea serpent when he sees one. Captain Banta not only <laughs> saw the real sea serpent, but actually rode it. <laughs> and this is the description he gives. <laughs> well, I'll reef my mains and go the route of Dory. Lisa Jane right to the bottom, if this ain't the truth, said the captain as he landed on City Island. Isn't that incredible? I love the idea of him riding the sea serpent. I love I love everything I love everything about this. I love that the the serpent gets more hideous once it's on the the boat and that it, it gets longer than the Brooklyn Bridge. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so the article then goes on to say that um, some say that it's no more than an anaconda or a python. Um, and they do mention that it somehow fit in the Dover Street Apartments bathtub and that a little boy living there, quote, plays with it by the hour, unquote. So this creature is like changing size by the second. Um, but it, it's still one of the most incredible descriptions and I'm absolutely obsessed with. And then there's very little that appears after that. There are a couple of later sightings of sea serpents around the area and they start to die off. Um, you know, you, you, they just don't appear in the newspapers that I've been coming across um, after that time. And certainly, you know, it, it's not the same kind of consistency of people looking for it the way people still do with Champy. So we, we, we don't have, um, yeah, we just don't have that same mass of testimony um, and it does peter out so at this point I've got a few thoughts but what are your thoughts on all this Adam I'm busy <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to trying to make this the necessary, you gotta catch up I get it I, get catch it. Up the necessary, I don't know I, again I, I happen to feel I'm so loud so you got I'm so sorry you guys I just, like, I just looked at how loud that that me reciting as that sea captain was it was so loud I'm so sorry for the volume I tend, I think most of this is bullshit mm. about in terms of like the size changing and mm -hmm. this and that. But I always go back to the fact that I certainly think that there are there are creatures that we have never that we have not yet classified. Yeah. Um, things that look more dinosaur like that haven't you know yes. they're still kind of in that evolutionary phase. Um, so I I though I I agree. I don't doubt this creature existed or exists now, but the fact, I mean, growing. Maybe not the one that they caught and put their bathtub. Yeah. like a, Bigger than the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> Gee, I mean, we, would, we would see this creature. Right. Yeah. Normal um, citizens would see this creature. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I tend to agree. I think that one is a, a fantastic description, but um, they probably didn't actually 
catch a creature like that and then shrink it for the bathtub. Um, I tend to agree that, I mean, obviously there are things that we just haven't found yet. There are examples, we talked about this with Champy too, that there are examples of fish species that we thought died in like, you know, the, 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 one of the dinosaur eras, but that, and then we don't have any records for, right, in, in the fossil record for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of millions of years, but then recently have been rediscovered in a small amount off, you know, the coast of somewhere. Like, we have those examples. Um, so who knows? Um, and I, I'm personally a, a fan of there being, un, you know, discovered, uncategorized, misunderstood, you know, sea creatures like this. Um, so a couple things that I think are worth observing. One is that that sort of cluster of sightings. So multiple sightings in the 1870s, and then that summer in 1895 where the same one or a bunch of them are seen every couple of days, basically. Um, and there were even more in 1895 than the ones I mentioned. And if we widened our scope geographically, because again, sea monsters don't really pay attention to political borders, you know, I wonder if we would have had additional sightings along nearby eastern seaboard areas. So it's interesting to think about, right? What could cause a sudden influx of sea serpent sightings in particular years or eras. Um, and thinking back to the idea of estuaries being breeding grounds and nurseries, maybe this has something to do with the, the rhythm of the sightings, right? Maybe every 20 years or whatever, there is theoretically like a, a that's the breeding period. Um, and so, you know, they start to come into the estuaries and that we get this rash of sightings. Um, in terms of like why no further sightings? I mean, it could be that we've become you know, we, we no longer are, you know, quick to classify what we can't explain with the term sea monster, but it doesn't mean that we haven't been seeing weird, weird creatures from the ocean. Um, but also, you know, the possibility that pollutants have killed them off or at least kept them away from old breeding grounds that are close to highly polluted cities. I think that's possible. Yeah. I mean, like when, you know, when you're, when, you're, when your water's green <laughs> and like, you live in the sea and you can go to a place where the water right. isn't green. I think you're going to go to the place where the water isn't green. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like we get excited. When then like, again, we saw there was a dolphin just, was just, just in Queens like last week. But it was just in Queens. Like, I mean, and I've seen dolphins off Rockaway for the last few years. There was one that was in like the Hudson or something recently. Um, but it's a big deal, right? Because it means that we're getting cleaner again and that they're coming yeah, yeah, yeah. back. So it makes you wonder like if these are. Are we going to see like. Some, some cryptids. Yeah. <laughs> some right. Sea monsters. Like if we haven't already killed them off, right? right. Um, then then who knows? Um, but I also want to, f- you know, I, I want to go back to what we started with and what we did with the story of Champ 2, which is the idea of sea creatures like this maybe being protectors of a kind. And we saw that in the story of Champ. The Abenaki people see Champ as a protective being. Um, we see that a bit with the Long Island indigenous community's reference for the giant manta rays that used to be in the area. Um, and so whatever these creatures that have been spotted are, it makes me wonder like what we can learn from their absence and how we can maybe merit their presence again. Mm. Um, but that's that's the, the story of the Long Island sea serpent. Do you want to see my art? I really do. Oh man! So this is um, this is the person riding him, <laughs> and I've made the mane. I, love I had it. to add the fangs and the jaw. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because it kept saying, so the head looks like a horse. Yep. I like it. I had to add this jaw part because they said he had fangs. Right. But th- I kept the serpent tongue. Nice. 
um, their long tails. Those are his scales. I see the scales. He's Look at them. Slimy. They're They're somewhere between blue and green and, and secluded mouse. And for perspective, that's the actual size of the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> and so that... I wrote. I, I made sure to put a little bridge in this there so you can see. This is excellent. That that is. Um, I'm gonna document this to inspire all around incredible, incredible work, Adam. Well, you know, do what I can. <laughs> well, folks, if you have any ideas or thoughts about uh, this 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 sea creature, what was its name? We don't have a name for him. I can also we don't t- have a name for him. No one ever named him, so I'm I'm open to uh, some naming. Naming contest. Naming Send contest. us your, I will put it on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram if you haven't followed us on Instagram. This week, Christina will post on the Instagram a little a little, little tab thing where you can put your favorite name for the sea creature. Name the sea creature um, because that's cool. Yeah. And send us your sea creature art. Send us all those things. We love it. We love to see it. Um, yeah. Have you seen the sea creature in Long Island Sound? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, and as always, be make sure to head on over to our socials and, and like and subscribe and all that. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, uh, and drop us a review and some five stars. That'd be really great. If you want to donate some money, you know where to go. You head on over to patreon.com slash mystery machine, and you can do that as well. This is how exciting. Uh, our I'm, second cryptid. Our second cryptid. There's only two. I guess so. Yeah, yeah we we've done aliens, but we haven't done too many cryptids. Did we do like a third ish? I forget. Hmm. We 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 we've talked about cryptids. We've talked. We talked about the um, got some cryptids in the back of my brain. The Montauk but... beast. We talked ah, about a yes. little bit. Um, just not really to it. Which, which I think for a future episode you may. We should. There's not a total lot about the Montauk right. beast. I tried um, doing that for a full episode one day, and um, every time I see this carcass of an animal that that washed up on mm. the shore of Montauk, it makes me really nauseous. Yeah. So it's a hard time for me <laughs> to do it. Um, but I will cover that. I may actually may cover that in a future Patreon episode. So mm. if you want to hear that, head over to our Patreon and join at our $5 level or above, and you get a bonus episode of that. We're back next week. Uh, I believe it's a murder next week. Ooh. I think so. Um, but make sure to uh, to to follow us and all that jazz and we're grateful to be on rocking these new episodes some some really cool stuff coming along the the pipe in the next couple of months uh and the collaborations happening i i just actually spoke to the amazing uh sean and carrie from sean and carrie i just spoke to carrie last week just about teaming up again so um some cool stuff is coming down the pipe so make sure you are subscribed so you get uh so you know first so you know first you get you get a, every monday you get a little pop-up saying hey here's a new episode all right that's all we got. I've been Adam Ace. I've been Christina Marinelli. Thanks for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Time in the hall, but for ghosts. Ooh.